Why did God give Ezekiel a scroll and then tell him to eat it? What do we do when we tell someone the truth and they don't want to hear it? And can someone be a Christian if they won't do what God says? We'll talk about all that today on the Cross References Podcast. Welcome to the Cross References Podcast, where you learn how every small piece of the Bible tells one big story, and most importantly, how they all connect to the cross and Christ. Whether you're a newbie Christian or a veteran Bible reader, our goal is that God's Word will make more sense to you after every episode. I did not get this episode out quite as early as I intended to. I got sick. And it wasn't COVID, I don't think. It was just some other respiratory thing going around my area. But my production schedule has been thrown off due to that, and I am committed to not rushing these programs. I want to maintain a certain quality about them, and if I feel rushed, I know I won't do the necessary amount of studying that that I think a Bible passage really deserves. And so I didn't get started on this lesson until um, a week after I normally would. Normally about the time that I was getting ready to record the next program, I was just starting to study on this one that you're hearing today. And so, um, you know, as I was getting back to work and catching up on things around the office, kind of the post-Christmas stuff, then I started, I started writing these words right here. And just as I was starting to get better, then my wife started to get sick. And so I wanted to also be available to help her through the sickness as well. Um, a, A lot of husbands have pointed out before that their wives are much better at taking care of them than they are at caregiving when the wife is the one who gets ill. And, uh, and I'll just throw my own experience out there, though. I'm, I'm actually, I want to say I'm a lot more patient when my wife is the sick one than whenever I'm sick. Now, my wife does a great job of taking care of me, you know, anytime I ever get a little bit under the weather. Like like last week, I was cold, I had body aches, and, and I was essentially bedridden for a couple of days. But she was just constantly there to look after me. She'd ask me if I wanted a sandwich, a cup of orange juice, and she'd bring it to me immediately. But when she's the sick one, I'm actually even more patient and understanding. When she's the one shivering and bundled up, I'm willing to wait a good 10 or 20 minutes for her to make me a sandwich before I even start to complain about it. You know, I believe patience is a virtue. And so I get a chance to work on that whenever she's sick. Um, So today we resume our look into the book of Ezekiel with a passage that I was looking forward to studying this passage since the time I started this podcast. This is when God tells Ezekiel to eat a scroll. And if you're wondering whether you heard me right, yes, eat a scroll, as in the parchment or the papyrus form of documentation that the Israelites used for their writings. God told Ezekiel to eat one. Don't thank Ezekiel, just do it. When you were growing up, you sometimes probably heard your parents use that phrase, because I said so. And I always hated that. And I'm not saying it's wrong for parents to use that expression. I just remember hating it as a kid. I always wanted to know why I do this or that. Not necessarily to be rebellious. I was just, I like understanding the why behind the what. And God always has a reason behind the commandments he gives us. However, though, he doesn't always explain to us why he tells us to do this or that. Sometimes he leaves it mysterious. Sometimes He wants us to learn and study and try to discern why he gives certain commands. 
And, and that's what I find is one of the great benefits of studying God's word. And sometimes we will never figure it out. But we have to obey anyway because God said so. So the word of the day today is obedience. The last time we were in Ezekiel, the main word you probably heard that, t- that time was rebellion. This time it's going to be on obedience. And, and here's the first great truth of today's lesson. I'm going to go ahead and give it to you now before we even get into our verses today. It's this. If you only obey God when his commands make sense to you, you aren't really obeying God. You're just agreeing with him. The real test of obedience is when you obey God, whether you understand why or not. And that's the basic theme of our verses today. We're, we're still in the commissioning chapters of Ezekiel. We're going to finish chapter 2 today, and we'll get through about half of chapter 3. But chapters 2 and 3, they're really all about, um, besides Ezekiel's commissioning, he's God's t- talking to Ezekiel about Israel's rebellion against God. And, and we're going to discuss today how Israel was rebelling against God's instructions. And so the great contrast to Israel in the section of verses today, and, and what's going to be our terrific, our terrific example to follow is Ezekiel himself, who's going to obey God without any argument. So let's get back into the book of Ezekiel today. I want to pick off where we left, where we left off last time at Ezekiel chapter 2. We're going to pick up today at verse 8. It says, But you, son of man, hear what I say to you. Be not rebellious like that rebellious house. Open your mouth and eat what I give you. And when I looked, behold, a hand was stretched out to me. And behold, a scroll of a book was in it. And he spread it out before me, and it had writing on the front and on the back. And there were written on it words of lamentation and mourning and woe. This is Ezekiel's first test. He's going to be tested several times in this book. And if you remember what I said in episode three, that was our first podcast episode on Ezekiel, I chose to do this book because this is a weird book. It has a lot of strange passages like this. Ezekiel would be told things, sometimes strange commands for him to obey, with no explanation. And and as we'll see, Ezekiel is remarkably obedient. So Ezekiel is having this vision of God, And in the vision, God is putting a scroll before Ezekiel and told to literally eat it. Now, I know I said it's a vision, and so that can make it sound like it's it's not an actual scroll put out in front of him. However, I'll just say this. I mean, if you believe the Bible and, and therefore believe in the supernatural, this experience that Ezekiel is going through, it's still 100% real, even if it is a vision. Whatever plane of existence that Ezekiel is in right now, Okay, whatever dimension God has brought him into, this is, this is just as real for Ezekiel as anything in the world. He, he's not bouncing around in a dream world where nothing really matters. The, this scroll that God has put in front of him, it is just as real to him and his experience as a, like a physical scroll would be if I set one in front of you. So I'm just saying, this isn't like a, like a dream where you're having all kinds of weird things going on and, and you just don't question it. Um, in this, Ezekiel is given a vision of God, but he's not in some kind of dream state, okay? He's still completely lucid, completely rational. He's completely in control of his decisions. So so for God to put this scroll in front of him and tell him to eat it, 
this is a test of Ezekiel's obedience. It's about whether he's going to listen and obey when the command is, is something very strange and you don't understand why. Now, let's talk about the scroll for a minute today. There's a couple notes about the scroll that Ezekiel mentions. One is that it was totally covered in words, front and back, and that the words were very negative. They, they were full of sadness and despair. It doesn't tell us exactly what the words said, uh, but, uh, but I assume actually that, that it's going to be the words of this book. Ezekiel, the book, it's often a book of lamentation and mourning and woe, especially in the first two-thirds of it. So, so my assumption of, um, of what's going on here is that Ezekiel basically needs to consume and embody this message before he delivers it to the people. Which, um, you know, it kind of makes sense. A modern parallel to this might be that if you're going to, like, share God's word with someone, you need to make sure that you're living by it first. Um, kind of like we did a few episodes discussing recently about judging, that don't judge someone for something else that you aren't doing yourself. So that's my read on this. I don't, I don't know that for a fact, but my assumption is that Ezekiel, why he's being told to eat the scroll, he's supposed to consume and apply God's warnings to himself before repeating it to others. So th- that's what makes sense to me. That's my theory on why God is put, putting Ezekiel through this as his first test or what the meaning of this is. So for our initial verses today, this command to eat a scroll, what I like about this, it, it looks both forward and backward. It looks backward to the first command in scripture, the command not to eat of a certain tree. So the first command, and I don't know, maybe be fruitful and multiply, that could be, I guess, the first command. But the first, the, what would say for sure the first sin in the Bible, it was about this command not to eat something that you would want to eat. Okay, that was the first thing that man did wrong in the Bible. But one of the first things that God tells Ezekiel is to eat something that you would not want to eat, a scroll. So this command that God gives Ezekiel, it's kind of in a way, it's kind of a mirror to the first command that God gave Adam and Eve. That's a way that this command to eat a scroll, it looks backward, but also this command looks forward. It looks forward to the second Adam, which is Jesus. Jesus was also told to consume God's wrath and judgment. And like Ezekiel, Jesus obeyed. Now, his method of consuming God's judgment, it wasn't through eating something. Jesus consumed God's wrath with his whole body. So I know we already spent a a large chunk of today's lesson. We were just looking here at these first three verses, but I wanted to do that because what I see right here in those first three verses, I see a huge cross-reference from across all of Scripture. Okay, looking back to Genesis and looking forward to the cross. Literal cross-references going on just in these three verses. I see the gospel in them. Ezekiel consumed God's judgment for Israel, and Jesus consumed God's judgment for us. (laughs) These are a beautiful three verses when you find that parallel. All right, well, let's continue on to the next section now, starting at Ezekiel chapter 3, starting at verse 1. And he said to me, Son of man, eat whatever you find here. Eat this scroll and go. Speak to the house of Israel. So I opened my mouth and he gave me this scroll to eat. And he said to me, Son of man, feed your belly with this scroll that I give you and fill your stomach with it. Then I ate it and it was in my mouth as sweet as honey. 
So the scroll is full of judgment and woe. And yet, after taking it in, it says Ezekiel feels satisfied with how sweet it is. Now, why is that? Well, um, this is one of those things that's very open to interpretation. And just go ahead and I'll, I'll let you hear mine. I think what this is kind of saying is that God's word is not always delicious right whenever you take it in. Because sometimes God's word, it, it challenges us, it corrects us, it changes us. And we don't always want to change. <laughs> you know, we like things the way they are. But after we finally submit to it, it brings such a satisfaction and sweetness to our soul. Um, like I mentioned recently that I was sick. Uh, it, and it's why this episode was so late in getting out to you. But one thing that helped me when I was under the weather, one thing that helped me was NyQuil. Now, Ny- NyQuil is not my favorite medicine to take because it it makes my head a bit cloudy. Um, sometimes it takes a few days to wear off the cloudiness that it brings to my head. And I, I don't like that because I use my brain a lot <laughs> in my occupation. But NyQuil and DayQuil... They always do help me feel better with just about any bug I pick up. And here's the thing about NyQuil. It's not always delicious going down, okay? Especially NyQuil more than DayQuil. It's not candy. (laughs) You don't look forward to it. But once you've got it in your system, it does bring relief. And that's what God's Word does. It it cleans us out, okay? Then, as it said, then I ate it, and it was in my mouth as sweet as honey. Now, sometimes making the changes in our life that that the Bible demands, they are not always pleasant, especially at first. But you got to remember, God doesn't prescribe these these things for our harm. Everything that God does is for our good. His rules are to give us the best outcome in life. So when we submit to God's word, it will eventually bring a sweetness to our life. I, I was reading this in a book just last night. There was a man and he felt He felt called to respond to an altar call because he wanted to deal with a sin in his life. But this man was also a pastor. (laughs) He didn't want to respond to this altar call because he was terrified of what people would think if if they saw him repenting at the altar in the church service. But he did it anyway. He did it in obedience to the Spirit. He took his cold medicine. But he said that after he did it, he was finally set free of a sin that he had struggled with for years. And it's just kind of that idea right there that, that God's word can be hard going down, but it'll bring a peace and a sweetness after you accept it. Now, before we move on past the eating of the scroll and, and before we go on to like the, the last section of those verses today, I just I can't help but mention an area in Revelation where this exact scenario plays out. It has a few minor differences. Um, so Revelation, of course, that was written by John. He was actually one of the closest disciples to Jesus. and He was the only disciple who was not martyred. Um, he was sent off to an island to live out his last days. And anyway, while he was on this island, so that's where he receives a huge vision, which becomes the book of Revelation. And I just want to read to you what happens in Revelation 10. This is verses 8 through 11. John wrote, Then the voice that I had heard from heaven spoke to me again, saying, Go, take the scroll that is open in the hand of the angel who is standing on the sea and on the land. So I went to the angel and told him to give me a little scroll. And he said to me, Take and eat it. It will make your stomach bitter, but in your mouth it will be sweet as honey. 
And I took the little scroll from the hand of the angel and ate it, and it was sweet as honey in my mouth. But when I had eaten it, my stomach was made bitter. And I was told, you must again prophesy about many peoples and nations and languages and kings. So right before John is told to prophesy, he's also given a scroll to eat. And he also says that it is sweet in his mouth. Revelation adds the detail that this scroll would be bitter in his belly. And so I don't know if Ezekiel's scroll was like that. Um, He does talk about a bitterness, but that comes later. And Revelation is full of some, some very strange and random little details like this, but many of these things that seem random, they're actually repeated elements from the Old Testament, like eating the scroll right here. Um, you know, that thing about the mark of the beast being on the forehead, it's so weird to us, but that also, it has its origins in the book of Ezekiel. We're going to get to it later on in this book. So I don't know. I just wanted to mention this because a lot of commentaries, they don't even mention this, like it's a really clear connection between Ezekiel and Revelation when it comes to to eating the scroll right here. And I don't know, probably um, other than the same thing happening in both places, there doesn't really seem to be much connection, but I just, I did want to mention the connection here though, um, especially the bitterness that's mentioned in Revelation. Um, it says that John tastes a bitterness in his stomach after he eats it. And we don't, nor- we don't normally taste things in our stomach. So I take it to mean that, that it gave John a stomach ache. And Ezekiel, like I said, he doesn't mention the stomach ache after he ate the scroll, but, um, I just want to I want to comment on that before moving on because I think really what all this connects back to it all connects back to our theme of obedience. You know, like I said before, God gives his commands and rules for our benefit. It's not to hurt us. If we live by if we live our life by the principles of God's word, that results in good outcomes for us, especially in the long term. They can mean negative things sometimes in the short term. They can mean missing out They can mean not doing something that we want to do. They can mean doing things that we don't want to do, you know, delayed gratification. Um, So in the short term, it's not always fun. But like I've been saying, when we follow God's word, it does bring a sweetness to our lives in the long term. And we're always glad that we obeyed. You know, nobody's ever lying on their deathbed wishing that they had been less obedient to God. Well, in Ezekiel's case, If everybody in Israel would just stop rebelling and follow God's word, you know, no matter the cost to them, then they would have this sweetness too, just like Ezekiel did. There's there's no bitterness on the other other side of that. God is giving this opportunity for life to all who hear Ezekiel's message. And the book of Revelation is a different story. So maybe that's why John was so bitter right after he consumed it too. Because that's a book that's really all about judgment on humanity. Um. That this is about God's settled will. And when I say settled will, it just means, you know, the judgments prescribed in the book of Revelation, those are coming whether the people repented or not before they came, hypothetically speaking. Whether they would repent or not, those judgments are coming. And most of the people on the earth at that time, the Bible says they are not going to repent. But I'm just saying, even if they did, it wouldn't change the fact that this book Revelation, it's about the end of the world. That's why I say it's God's settled will. Once the book of Revelation starts playing out, the end is coming. It's not going to be held back, regardless of what humanity could hypothetically do. So Revelation, it has a little bit different context, even than Ezekiel. 
which is why I think maybe John has a little bit of bitterness <laughs> whenever he consumes that word. Uh, and you know, if you're like me, if you like studying Bible prophecy and all that stuff, if you like reading about the Antichrist, the false prophet, if you're fascinated with all the theories about the mark of the beast and, and the four horsemen and so forth, it, it is fun to study and talk about. It, you know, it, it's sweet in the mouth. But you always got to remember on the other side of that, I mean, this is a story about the end of the world. It's about the fate of the Antichrist. You know, it, his fate is to be thrown into the lake of fire. But that's the same fate as uh, the false prophet, same fate as those who take the mark of the beast, same fate as those who have already died without Christ, and the same fate as most of the people you know. And, and that's sobering. That This is about the fate of unsaved humanity. So Revelation has a lot of negativity about the final days on earth before Jesus comes back. Uh, whether people repent or not in those last days. So that, that can leave a bitterness in your mouth after you meditate on that. Revelation is, like I said, it's just a little bit different context than Ezekiel. Ezekiel ends with a, quite a bit of hopefulness. And uh, and Revelation does too for, for people who are saved. But um, it's a little bit different context than even Ezekiel is. So Ezekiel, with all its negativity and doom and gloom, um, it's hopeful in the sense that everybody who hears Ezekiel's message, they are still going to have a chance to repent. So let's get back into Ezekiel's message. Let me get back to chapter 3, verse 4. We're going to read verses 4 through 7 right here. And he said to me, Son of man, go to the house of Israel and speak my words to them. For you are not sent to a people of foreign speech and a hard language, but to the house of Israel. Not to many peoples of foreign speech in a, hard, in a hard language whose words you cannot understand. Surely, if I had sent you to such, they would listen to you. But the house of Israel will not be willing to listen to you, for they are not willing to listen to me, because all the house of Israel have a hard forehead and a stubborn heart. I find that a really interesting comment there from God. So now that Ezekiel has consumed the scroll, God says, I want you to go and give this message to Israel. Okay, to a people who speak the same language and have the same culture that you do. Now, God really drives this point home here. He says, I could have sent you to a foreign people and made you learn a new language. And, and I am just a note on that, that comment about making you learn a new language to, to share this word, the word of God. I just always like to point this out about missionaries and why I think we should support them. You know, if you're listening to me, I hope you are supporting a missionary out there, at least one, if not more than one, but try to help support at least one just to play some part in the mission they're doing. Because think about what a missionary does. They literally learn a new language. Many times they learn, learn a new language just to be able to do their job, their calling. And I just think that's admirable. I think that shows dedication and really a true calling of God because <laughs> how many of us would be willing to learn a new language just to work a particular occupation. You know, that unless that job is, unless you're talking about being a translator, you probably don't want to do it. You probably would not want to learn a language just to work a particular job. It, it's a great skill. It's just a lot of work to put into something for one job. And God says, hey, Ezekiel, hey, I could have sent you to a foreign people and made you learn, learn a new language, but God didn't. And then, and then here's also what God says, and this is what, what makes this so interesting to me, he throws something else in. 
He says if that if I had sent you to a foreign land and made you learn a new language, God says they probably would have listened to you. So in other words, God, Ezekiel would have had an easier time reaching foreign people in a culture that knew nothing about the Bible. He would have, he would have had it easier to be a missionary. Instead, Ezekiel is told to reach an even more difficult audience because he's being told to reach his fellow Israelites. In, in the post-Christian nation, and if you don't know why I call them that, uh, go back and listen to episode eight of this podcast. In, in this post-Christian nation, Ezekiel's job is harder because he's reaching out to a people who know the word of God and they just want to live in rebellion to it. God says that the rebellion barrier will be harder to overcome than a language barrier. Reaching a post-Christian nation, it's going to be harder than learning a new language and moving to a new country. And I kind of wonder if that has equal application to, to you and me. You know, if, if like me, you live in the United States of America, where we are becoming a post-Christian nation, where we are in a lot of rebellion against God, um, I just wonder if this would apply to you and I in the same way. Because I've always thought missionaries, that they were paying the greatest sacrifice in the kingdom of God by going overseas. But, you know, kind of based on what it's saying here in the book of Ezekiel, it may actually be that they have it easier when it comes to sharing the gospel. Uh, and, you know, I hear this from missionaries. Many times they visit our church and they talk about how receptive some people are in other countries. Not, not all countries, but, but in many countries, there's people who are super, super re- receptive to hearing about God. Generally speaking, you send a missionary to an unreached people group. And um, generally speaking, I mean, that, that community is only going, going to become more Christian from that point. Because it has nowhere to go but up. So it's only going to become more Christian. The most unreached continents with the gospel, uh, those would be Africa and South America. And I don't know if you know this, but those are the two continents where Christianity is currently having its most explosive growth. The, The continents that have had historically the least amount of Christian influence today, they're having the most explosive growth on those two continents. Whereas you look at North America or Europe, and our churches are shrinking. Christianity's influence is diminishing. So we who are here, we may have the harder job. It may be harder for you to reach fellow Americans with the gospel than it would be almost anywhere else in the world. Like, let me reread a few of the verses here that God had said. He said, surely if I had sent you to the foreign people, God said, they would listen to you. But the house of Israel will not be willing to listen to you, for they are not willing to listen to me, because all the house of Israel have a hard forehead and a stubborn heart. Israel is hardened against God. Other countries would have a hard language, but Israel has a hard heart. And God says it would actually be easier to overcome the language barrier than the heart barrier. The human heart is the largest barrier between us and God. God is looking to change our hearts. God's primary goal is not to simply make us believe in him. Uh, Most people already believe in God. You know, atheists who say there's no God, that's actually, that's a very tiny segment of the population. Most of the people in hell 
they believed that God was real, or at least that some God was real. But God, the real God, his primary purpose, his primary goal is not to make us believe in his reality or to convince us to believe in the supernatural. That's already kind of a basic human understanding across all times and all cultures. (laughs) You know, people at church have asked me, well, why doesn't God do more to prove himself? And what I tell them is, you know, God could write his name on the moon. That's not going to get anyone saved. Believing in God is not enough because God's goal is to change our hearts. He wants us to submit to him. He wants us to have relationship with him. So Ezekiel's job is, is not to go and give new information to people. He's sent to give people information that they've already heard before. To, to the people who are going to say, oh, I heard all that before, been there, done that, don't care. And God says that's actually going to be the most difficult people to reach. It's the people who think they already know it all. And frankly, I just think that could that could very well be true for those of us in America as well. So Ezekiel said that the people he reaches, they will not have a hard language, but instead a hard heart. So God says he's going to make Ezekiel have a hard head as well. Okay, listen to this. Ezekiel 3, verses 8 through 11. Behold, I have made your face as hard as their faces, and your forehead as hard as their foreheads. Like emery harder than flint, have I made your forehead. Fear them not, nor be dismayed at their looks, for they are a rebellious house. Moreover, he said to me, Son of man, all my words that I shall speak to you, receive in your heart, and hear with your ears, and go to the exiles, to your people, and speak to them, and say to them, Thus says the Lord God, whether they hear or refuse to hear. So God says, Ezekiel, you're going to get some death glares. And you're going to have to just learn to take it. They're going to give you hard looks. But I'm going to make you harder. And here's something I actually, I did not know this. I found this fascinating about the book. The word Ezekiel, I don't know if I just not looked this up before or what, but the word Ezekiel, as in like the name, the actual meaning of this in Hebrew is God hardens. That's the meaning of Ezekiel's name. God hardens you. God makes you tougher. God gives you the strength to handle it. And God said this to Ezekiel. He said, Ezekiel, I'm Ezekieling you. (laughs) He said, I'm Ezekiel, I'm going to make you as hard as emery. In, In those days, emery was considered the hardest substance that was known to man. And he uses the word hard several times in the verses that we read today. He said that the people, they don't have a hard language, but they have hard hearts and hard foreheads, but they're going to give Ezekiel hard looks when he speaks. But don't worry, Ezekiel, because God is going to make you harder. Speaking of um, hard looks there, I'll just, I'll just want to mention this as someone who's preached a lot of sermons and as someone who doesn't really shy away from, from sin issues and, and trying to get to modern relevant issues whenever I discuss the Bible, I'll just say I have received a lot of death glares while I'm preaching. And um, and sometimes it is just a misunderstanding on my part. <laughs> like I, I tell this to people who are kind of new at, at preaching or public speaking. Anyone who does public speaking, I want you to know this. Try not to read too much into the facial expressions of the people that you're speaking to. Because uh, I always felt like from the time I started doing public speaking, 
I always felt like I got a lot of weird looks on, on people's faces um, whenever I speak. They, they look at me sometimes like I just have a second head growing out of my shoulder. And, uh, and yet sometimes, I, you know, I get, I'm preaching or speaking and I get these weird looks. And then yet when I get done, some of those same people will come up and tell me how much they appreciated the message. <laughs> so sometimes you get weird looks whenever you're in public speaking. And it, it might have nothing to do with you and what you're saying. Sometimes people just have weird expressions on their faces when they sit and listen to someone. So I don't know. I've heard this from other people too. It was it kind of threw me off when I first started public speaking, uh, but I've heard other people who like preach a lot. They say this too that you just have to to kind of tune out <laughs> what how people look at you sometimes. Try not to assume too much if you do a lot of public speaking, and um, so that could happen. But then there are other times where then no, I actually do make people mad with what I'm saying. I've had people stomp out the door after a sermon before. I've had people look at me like like they want to kill me while I'm speaking. So again, you might get some hard looks. But what God says to Ezekiel is you have to be harder. And God will make you harder. He'll make you tough enough to handle it. You have to get through it. You have to deliver the message that God has laid on your heart. And, um, you know, you can kind of respond to a crowd. You, you don't want to say stuff that's unnecessarily offensive. But... Just preaching the Bible. The Bible itself, the message of the Bible, is indeed offensive. It calls out sin. And it says we're all sinners deserving of God's judgment. And, and that can make people feel bad. The, the truths in the Bible, they can divide families. And when you read it out loud and you apply it to your culture, it can get you some death glares. So uh, I guess all I'm saying is uh, I'm no stranger to death glares myself. Um, I'm, I'm coming up on 10 years of marriage next month. And <laughs> let me make this side note too. I've learned a lot about sharing and interpreting emotions after being married for nearly 10 years. Okay. And, and my wife too. She's much better at sharing her emotions than she was back when we first got married. And specifically her, her death glares. When we first got married, I had a hard time telling from her facial expression sometimes like what level of annoyance that she had from whatever I was saying. But after 10 years of marriage, I can immediately tell when she has a death glare on her face. And sometimes I even register it quickly enough to duck. So it's it's pretty clear that she's had many opportunities to practice her death glares over the years. And I've given her a lot of chances to practice that and it's paid off. She's, she's really improved at sharing her emotions. I've improved at reading them. And one thing I'm very familiar with is death glares. So take it from me as an expert on this subject. If you're a preacher, if you're a public speaker, if you're just a Christian who finds yourself discussing biblical truth with someone who's an unbeliever, be prepared for potential rejection, <laughs> for some potential death glares. Because what God said to Ezekiel is what God would say to you. You have to be tough enough to handle it. All right, well, we're going to look at our last set of verses for today. This is Ezekiel 3. 12 through 15. And God is essentially done speaking at this point. Um, it's just going to talk now about when God leaves Ezekiel alone for a little while. And in the way that Ezekiel felt about everything that he's been told so far. So it says there in chapter 3, starting at verse 12, Then the Spirit lifted me up, and I heard behind me the voice of a great earthquake. Blessed be the glory of the Lord from its place. 
It was the sound of the wings of the living creatures as they touched one another, and the sound of the wheels beside them, and the sound of a great earthquake. The Spirit lifted me up and took me away, and I went in bitterness, in the heat of my spirit, the hand of the Lord being strong upon me. And I came to the exiles at Tel Abib who were dwelling by the Chibar Canal, and I sat where they were dwelling. And I sat there overwhelmed among them seven days. So this basically wraps up the section that that began way back in chapter one, like when the living creatures appeared and talked about the wheels and the wings and how all of it was so loud. And then uh, and then God appeared and he started saying all these things to Ezekiel. And that started all the way back in lesson um, in lesson two of Ezekiel. And we're just now getting to the end of that section. And the living creatures and the wills, they're finally leaving. It's all very loud again. And this is the end of the vision. And um, there's still a little bit more of Ezekiel's commissioning left to go. But the initial vision is done now. And, and Ezekiel is just being left to dwell on his thoughts about all this for a little bit. In fact, God gives Ezekiel a whole week just to think things over before he drops back in. Um, Ezekiel feels <laughs> a few different emotions here. So for one thing, it said he's overwhelmed, and that's understandable. You know, as far as I'm concerned, I would be overwhelmed with seeing God and seeing all these, like the supernatural throne guardians and, and, and the whole job description that was just laid out. I'd be overwhelmed too. But then Ezekiel says another thing that he's feeling. Let me read verse 14 again. It said, The Spirit lifted me up and took me away, and I went in bitterness in the heat of my spirit. So it says Ezekiel was bitter and angry after this commissioning. And, you know, I just have to comment on this because th- this is not really the reaction that we think we'd have talking about a supernatural visitation of God. You know, we, we go to church services and we worship sometimes and we talk about how we're hungry for more of God and we're so sold out to God. And, and we talk about just wanting to know more of God and God's will for our individual lives. Right? Who among us hasn't prayed to know God's will for your life better? Who hasn't prayed for direction before? You know, this is this is one of the most common questions that pastors are asked. Well, Ezekiel, he just received more of God than any of us have. I mean, he just had a supernatural visitation. It, it was more engrossing than anything I've ever heard from a person experiencing before, like personally. So, He's just been told his life mission by God. He's been told what God wants him to do. God has promised to strengthen Ezekiel to be able to handle it. If this were you or me, it's like, isn't this exactly what you or or I would say that we want from God? Especially if, like me, if you're a Pentecostal Christian and you seek supernatural guidance today. Especially a Pentecostal Christian like me who is seeking the tangible spiritual experiences today. I'm just saying Ezekiel got all that. And his reaction is he's angry. It says he's steaming about it. (laughs) A week later, (laughs) a week later, Ezekiel is still cooling down over it. He's too mad to even start. It says he sits there for a week and he just kind of stews in all this anger. Um, If, you know, if it had said that Ezekiel was odd or even terrified sitting there for a week, I would have understood that. Um, it would have made more sense to me, but it doesn't actually say Ezekiel is just awestruck or or scared. It says he's angry. Now, you know, now I, here's where I do see a real connection with the Revelation verses that we mentioned before. 
when John initially thought that his scroll in Revelation was sweet, but then he said later it gave him a bitter stomach ache. And when Ezekiel eats the sweet scroll, it actually says a few minutes later, you know, here at the end of these verses today, he's bitter too. He's not excited about the mission that God has given him. And by the way, I'm not going to say he was just a bad guy, um, that he was just less spiritual than you or I are. I mean, that's a possibility, but I don't think so. This guy is a Bible writer. I, I just think it may be that sometimes the great plan that God would have for our lives is not usually something that we would choose. Maybe Ezekiel thought this could have been something exciting at first, but once he had the plan laid out there, he's like, oh, that's not a plan <laughs> that I would have picked for me. Um, and, and you or I might say that too. You know, it may be that we go to church and we we ask for more of God and we ask to know God's will. But on the other hand, if we truly knew everything that God had ahead for us, it'd scare us away. (laughs) It might even make us upset with God if we knew too much. You know, Ezekiel, being a Bible writer, being a prophet, sounds like something exciting, right? You know, if God came to you and, and he wanted you to do all that, well, we'd say, oh, like, oh, wow, I'm going to be a prophet. You know, that's like one of the super Christians. And yet, if we truly knew what a calling like that would cost, we might say instead, you know, no, thanks, God. <laughs> I'm happy doing what I'm doing. Um, and I think that's th- this is what's sinking in for Ezekiel. Because if you think about it, before God showed up, it's not like Ezekiel had a bright future to begin with. Um he was, he was kidnapped. He was carried away to live in Babylon. He's living in an exile city on a hill. He had trained his whole life to start serving in the temple as a priest. He's going to start doing that on his 30th birthday. Now here he is at age 30. He has no temple to serve in. He's been kidnapped as a captive. So we would think, okay, one would think that receiving this new mission in life from God we'd think that would excite him, right? Is, is that not what someone would think? That this would be an exciting new direction for Ezekiel's life. But instead, Ezekiel is not thrilled. <laughs> you know, he'd say, God, this, this calling to be a prophet and get everyone mad at me, you know, I think I was happier just being in exile, <laughs> just being a priest with no temple. So this is, this is a lot to wrap your mind around. Um, And I'm just going to say this, instead of judging Ezekiel, instead of judging his lack of excitement with his new role, maybe he could just see something that we don't. Maybe, you know, maybe we should just reflect on how hard this calling is going to be for him. Maybe being a prophet isn't as glamorous as it sounds. Maybe giving up everything to serve God is, it's easy to say, but it ends up costing more than you think. We'll close down in a few minutes with a quick recap and some personal application of this chapter. And my voice, surprisingly, surprisingly it's held out. Um, it's been really weak ever since I was sick. And that's part of the reason that I took such a long break before recording this program. I know I had said, like, my next one, I was going to try to get it out on January the 3rd because I try to get these out on Mondays. And now it's been, it's I don't know, close to three weeks since I've gotten a program out. Um, so it did not come on the third, obviously. 
but I'm looking here to have this released on January the 10th. And so my voice is held out surprisingly, but I'm gonna go ahead and talk a little bit longer. I wanna do a recap here with you and give you a, a brief application. Before that, let me just ask, do you like fake news? If not, then um, you definitely don't want to check out my other podcast. It's called Fake News, a fiery but mostly peaceful podcast. And that's a weekly show where we take a look at the past week of news stories through kind of a meta narrative of how the media covered those stories. And um, that one's it's a lot of fun. It's more focused on current events. So if you don't like fake news, you definitely don't want to come listen to it. But if you like laughing at fake news, then do come join the fun with new episodes of that one each Friday. And if you have a question on this chapter that we were talking about today in our Ezekiel lesson, you can leave a comment, shoot us an email, crossreferencespodcast at gmail.com, and I'd be happy to take questions or recommendations on subjects that you think I should tackle in the future next time on this podcast. Uh, you know, frankly, I don't know what the next episode is going to be about yet. And, um, and I, I literally, I have episodes 13, 14, 15, 16 planned out. But for episode 12, I still haven't quite decided yet. I want to figure that out starting tomorrow. So um, I will say episode 13, that's where we're going to get back into the book of Ezekiel and we'll finish out the rest of chapter three. And this that chapter, it's the famous Watchmen on the Wall section of Ezekiel. And um, also I'm happy to announce today, I'm excited to announce that we have a couple mailbag comments to include. So um, I just want to say thank you to the, there's this one anonymous message that I got telling me that I know my stuff. <laughs> and, uh, I'm not, so that's a, you know, I'm not normally going to just repeat compliments on the mailbag thing because I don't want to be self-serving about it, but I was excited about this one because it was our first mailbag feedback. So I just want to say thank you to whoever you are. Um, thanks for telling me that I know my stuff and, uh, I, I won't dwell on it too long. I'll stop reminding you of all that now, but thank you. And if people keep saying it, I would really like to get a t-shirt made up that says, I know my stuff. Cause I, I kind of like that, but until then I'll stop talking about it. Also, we received a message from a ministry called Israel connection. And it, they had a comment about the end times as it relates to the Jews and so Israel Connection, if you're listening, um, I'm going to actually try to wait and incorporate your comment about that in a future episode because I think it intersects well with something else in Ezekiel that's coming up soon. So I'm going to hold on to that one for now. But do keep the mailbags coming. I'd love to feature questions on the show, uh, feedback on the show. Again, podcast at gmail.com. Or uh, I have them on YouTube now. I have these messages going on my YouTube channel. It's just called Cross References. So if you can find us there, you can always just leave a comment on YouTube. And um, I have these lessons going on Rumble also. They all come out on Mondays on all these different platforms. I'm just trying to get this out there anywhere that people listen to podcasts and Bible studies. And um, if you have a podcast platform where I'm not available, but that you use, you know, let me know. I'll try to get it on there as well. But I think I've got it on all the big ones. And um, help us get the word out about the podcast. If you like it, if you enjoy it, share it with people. And I really appreciate your help on doing that. Leave us positive reviews or like the five-star reviews on Apple or wherever you use reviews, likes, um, subscriptions, whatever, whatever helps promote. You know, we appreciate all that. So today, just to recap, the main idea in all of this today was really obedience. That was the word of the day. Let's let's start with where we ended, okay? Ezekiel was angry about his calling. 
So he has a choice now. He can choose to submit to God and obey, or he could rebel like the rest of Israel. And um, for him to choose to obey, it's going to cost him a lot. But that's the choice he has. And so (laughs) we know that there's 45 more chapters of this book coming. So we know what he chooses. But um, these verses right here today, they just leave him in kind of an angry spot because he's contemplating right here obedience and and the cost of obedience. And, And this is the same choice that everybody who reads the Bible has. You know, we all pretty well know what the Bible says. Figuring out what the Bible says is not really the hard part. Figuring out God's will on X, Y, and Z issues, it's not usually the hard part. The hard part is doing it. That's where the rubber meets the road. It's not enough to believe in God to be a Christian. It's it's not even enough to know what God says to be a Christian. What you have to do to be a Christian is you submit yourself to God's authority and do what he commands. Um, you know, there's the old, the old after-school special shows they used to commonly say, Knowing is half the battle. Have you heard that before? Knowing is half the battle. I don't know. I I grew up in the 90s, so common expression back then. Well, in Christianity, knowing is actually none of the battle. (laughs) Knowing is just knowing. Obedience is the whole battle. It's are you going to do what you're supposed to do? So, you know, going to church, hearing a sermon... Oh, it's good that you went. It's not actually accomplishing any. I mean, it, it is good that you went, but it's not really accomplishing anything just by itself. Doing what you hear is really the point. So, yes, you have to go and hear it to know what to do. But don't forget, then you're actually supposed to do it. This is what James says when he says, be doers of the word and not hearers only. Don't just don't just hear a sermon or read a Bible chapter and, and think that from there you've accomplished something. Um, you have to follow what it says, or James says you're just deceiving yourself. It's just an empty moralism. You know, you think you're moral because you went to church this week. Well, that's not actually not true. The, the test is not whether you got out of bed and went to church on Sunday. The test is what you're doing Monday through Saturday. You know, is God still the Lord of your life the other six days of the week? not just for a few hours on Sunday morning. And and this is the struggle that um, a lot of people have with how, how they're going to walk out their Christian walk day to day. Okay, can you be a Christian who doesn't obey God? I, frankly, I don't believe so. Um, look at what Jesus said in John 14. John 14, 14, he said, You are my friends if you do what I command you. 1 John 2, 4. It says, whoever says, I know him, meaning to know God, whoever says, I know him, but does not keep his commandments, is a liar, and the truth is not in him. And those are important verses because, you know, about half the people who call themselves Christians in America, well, they say that because, you know, they go to church a few times a year, or because their grandma was a Christian, or because they read the Bible when they're sad. But those things are not what makes someone a Christian. No, to be a Christian, you must submit yourself to Jesus, not just confessing Jesus as Savior, but also as Lord. And Lord means that you do what he says, no matter what the cost is. Like with Ezekiel here, what would it cost Ezekiel? Well, God, you know, he pointed out you're going to get some death glares. You're going to get some people mad at you. And your method of obedience, it's going to involve 
a lot of talking to others. And um, as I mentioned, I've done a lot of sermons where I was receiving death glares. You know, people looking at me like they wanted to, to climb up on top of the pulpit and slap me. People walked out and slammed the door sometimes after service. And, and I wasn't even sure why, <laughs> you know. And when that happens, you, got, you do ask yourself, do I have anything that I regret saying? Um, and, and hey, if you say something in an unloving way, you know, if I do that, I could always apologize. But, but if, if, if I just spoke the truth, I should never apologize just because someone got upset about it or got their feelings hurt. We should never apologize for the truth. And Ezekiel here, well, he's going to catch the hate because his message is calling people to obedience. And remember, these people are not obedient. They're rebellious to God. And even though God has punished them by exiling, exiling them to Babylon, they are not repentant about their sin. They're not humble. They're still rebelling. And so Ezekiel's job is to try to get them to that place of humility and repentance. But uh, Ezekiel, he would not be qualified to deliver this message of repentance if he himself could not first demonstrate obedience to God. And that's the point of eating the scroll in these verses. Ezekiel must consume the message of God's judgment before he can deliver it to the masses. Um, Which, by the way, that's a Christ parallel, as I mentioned. And that's my favorite part of what we studied today. Jesus also consumed God's judgment for us on the cross. And thank God he didn't leave any leftovers. No, he totally absorbed the entirety of the world's sins on the cross. Everything I've ever done, everything you've ever done, Jesus paid it all. Well, let's close down there. And I just kind of I did my recap a little bit in reverse. I started with the last verses we studied, and I worked back to where we started, which was eating the scroll. And before we give a message to someone else, you know, that idea right there is that we need to take it in ourselves first. God doesn't tell Ezekiel, open your mouth and say what I give you. He says, open your mouth and eat what I give you. You know, Ezekiel, before you deliver this message, I want you to inhabit it first. And Ezekiel listens right away because Ezekiel, as we'll see in this book, he is God's yes man. Have you ever heard that that phrase before, a yes man? <laughs> you know, it's not usually a desirable trait. That's what you call someone who's a kiss up, someone who's always sucking up to the boss. Uh, someone who just always cheers on and supports whatever his boss says. We don't consider that an admirable trait most of the time. But I'm going to make this exception, okay? I think when it comes to obeying God, we need to be a yes man or a yes woman if you're female. But, but basically what we need to do is say yes to whatever God calls us, regardless of how hard it is, regardless of whether we even understand why. Uh, when God told Ezekiel, go to your people, a rebellious house, and give them this hard message regardless of what they say or how they look at you, Ezekiel said, Yes, sir. When God told Ezekiel, lie on the street 430 days on your side, Ezekiel said, yes, sir. When God told Ezekiel, cut off your hair, stab it, burn it, throw it up in the air, Ezekiel said, yes, sir. When God told Ezekiel, preach to a valley of dead, dry bones, Ezekiel said, yes, sir. When God told Ezekiel, set some poop on fire and bake your bread on it, Ezekiel said, well, he said, can I use cow poop? And 
And God said, sure. And Ezekiel said, yes, sir. So, okay, Ezekiel did have a question there about that one, but, but you or I probably would have too. And then God told Ezekiel, your beloved wife is going to die, but don't show any emotion over it. And what did Ezekiel say? He said, yes, sir. Whatever God told Ezekiel to obey, Ezekiel did it. No matter how hard it was, and no matter whether he understood why. Ezekiel would do all this because he saw God. He became God's yes man. At least as far as God is concerned, I hope that you'll be a yes man too. Thanks for listening to the Cross References Podcast. This has been Luke Taylor reminding you one last time that I know my stuff.